Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to another Common Ground Unity Podcast, a podcast where we have discussions about Christian unity, and we introduce our audience to folks uh, who are interested in the unity that Jesus prayed for and who who bring something to this movement of Christians that that make contributions toward that and to a better understanding of God's Word. We're blessed to have back with us today Marty Solomon. Marty has been with us in previous podcasts, and we're so grateful that he's returned. And one of the reasons we've asked him to return is— uh, he's getting ready to release his new book, Asking Better Questions of the Bible, a guide for the wounded, wary, and longing for more. Uh, Marty, as many of you know, is the creator of and the host of the Bema podcast, and many of you listen to that. Uh, we've just had great feedback from people who uh, enjoy that and, and are blessed by it. But this new book is going to bless you even more and take those conversations on the podcast uh, that, that he offers deeper. So uh, it is going to be released by NAV Press in February. February 7th is the approximate date of this year, 2023. So you'll want to pick up a copy at its release. Um, so we want to welcome Marty Solomon back to uh, Common Grounds Unity. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I suppose if I get invited back a second time, it must mean that we did okay the first two. Hey, this is actually your third because we did yeah. two podcasts last time with you. So, you know, that's really, really there a, a star in your cat, crown there, right? Setting records. <laughs> yeah, these are good records to set. We're going to do two this time too. So, Marty, we are really glad to have you back and we really do want to focus on your new book. And I just wonder if you could start by sharing with us what prompted you to write this book? So, I mean, to be on, let me be more honest than maybe I've even been. It's not that I've been dishonest, but let me, let me just be more real. I, I chose, <laughs> I chose to write this book because somebody asked me, I mean, somebody believed that I, I should be writing books. It's not that I never dreamed I could. It's just that I wasn't necessarily trying to make that dream a reality. But somebody came to me a few years ago and said, I really think you should be writing. I work for a publisher. That conversation didn't work out, but they said, we believe in what you're doing enough that we're going to get you connected to other publishers. And that led to this conversation. You know, my greatest passion is just to create resources that help people fall in love with the Bible, fall in love with Jesus, use the Bible to fall in love with Jesus. Anything we can do to have better conversations about the Bible, there's plenty of bad readings about the Bible. So this was just one more way. I, I love the podcast. It's great. I love making videos on YouTube. That's great. Um, what about writing? Like I'm always interested in creating, experimenting, 
trying new things. If this is a blessing for people, if this is a resource, then I'm interested. But whatever we can do to just keep saying, how do we read the Bible in ways that are helpful, that bring more order to more chaos in the world? Marty, I love to hear that. I've enjoyed your podcasts, and I know so many have. Um, you, you write very well, and it's very accessible, I think, to all um, who, who would pick this up and read it. Not only do you offer some great insights, um, you mentioned that you want to offer people resources, and I love how at the end of each chapter, you, you offer those additional resources for people to check out and dig deeper. Uh, so that that is appreciated. I think readers are going to really be blessed by that. Talk to us a little bit about your journey in understanding the importance of asking better questions of the Bible. Yeah, and I can't remember how much we got into in our last previous episodes when I shared my story, but there was a time where I was, I mean, we we weren't using the term deconstruction in the same ways, but early 2000s, we were we were talking a lot about post-modernity and here comes a whole new wave of something and look out. And we were, we were using the word deconstruction to do some different things, but I was on that journey. I was a young mid twenties, early twenties year old. And I had all these questions and none of the boxes that I was handed, none of the categories I was handed were, were helping me out. Um, and I knew that everybody around me had these same questions. And we were kind of forcing all of these questions into the same categories, the same answers, the same approaches. And really what helped me was bumping into teachers that were reframing the conversation or rephrasing the questions or they were doing something else. And I was like, this conversation is better. And I didn't know it at first, but eventually it was like, well, it's because we're asking a whole different set of questions. And realizing where those questions came from, realizing the Eastern and Western worldviews of where the Bible was written versus where I'm reading it today were just so different. And I mean, that was, and really, I, I while I didn't know it at the time, I was just falling in love with the idea of asking questions as a whole. Like asking questions is what gets us where we need to go. Um, growing up in a world that basically said, could you not ask so many questions? Could you just trust the system? Um and so asking those questions was such a helpful practice. And so that's kind of always sat behind um, what I was doing in my ministry, my podcast. But uh, I know when somebody taught me how to do that, it, opened, it changed everything. It opened up a whole new world to me. And it, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't dangerous. It wasn't a slippery slope. It wasn't, it led me closer to Jesus, not further away. I didn't run, I didn't run away from the church. I leaned further in. Uh, and And so I think a part of what, might be helpful for us today is to ask those better questions. And if this is helpful, we'll do it. You mentioned deconstruction. And um, I just wonder, do you see the, like the trend or the, like, do you still see a lot of people stepping into deconstructing and there are definitely more resources than there were before, but I wonder if we're, moving toward anything different or what, what would you say is the importance of deconstructing and reconstructing? Yeah. And I do think, um, I mean, on one level we could easily say deconstruction is just a natural part of any dynamic faith. Like anybody's personal faith, evolution, spiritual growth, spiritual formation. Part of what that means is taking ideas, taking them apart, 
realizing where you're wrong, learning something new, putting it back together. I mean, that process in and of itself on any level is the process on uh, on a really basic level, just deconstruction. It's become obviously far more, uh, like you said, there's more resources. We're talking about it. This generation is talking about a whole lot more. I think a lot of that is about permission. And I think the more the church uh, has freaked out and pushed against it, the more people have simply leaned into it um, rather than embracing and pulling that process in and saying, oh, yes, this is a part of what healthy spiritual formation does all over the place. Um, So, yeah, I think I think I think it's becoming more we're more aware in our cultural consciousness of deconstruction. And I think. I'm always I'm always hesitant to talk about reconstruction because a very popular um, thing to 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 lean into is to to get people out of deconstruction and push them into reconstruction and these two things are in relationship and I, I don't want to push people into reconstruction and yet the whole reason we're deconstructing is to pull things apart to put the pieces on a table so that I can look at and I can learn like which pieces do I want to keep what do I need to do with this how do I put this back together. Um, otherwise we're just spiraling, spiraling out into this critical and the, and the, the critical thinking is so key, but the criticism, the critical spirit can start to, so there's a reconstructive element to this too, where the whole reason I'm pulling something apart is so that I can start to put it back together again. And that's a part of what I love about, I love deconstruction, but it's because it enables me to, to get somewhere else not just spin into despair, but actually learn how, you know, what it is that I'm clinging to and what I'm going to put to put back together. And, and, uh, yeah, that's, I think reconstruction without, I just think it is just as important. I just don't want to get there too quickly. Deconstruction is, we can't reconstruct without deconstructing either. So So those two things are together. If you were like in a conversation with someone and they had, we're in this deconstruction process and you sensed that they were leaning more into the criticism rather than critical thinking, how would you move them? What would one step be toward reconstructing that wouldn't be pushing them to resolve in a formulatic way of something? What what would just one, one prompt, one question you could ask or one way to kind of move someone toward reconstructing without. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I think there's a lot of pastoral intuition that plays into these conversations. There's an aware, like there is a part of deconstruction where there isn't like, there's just a witnessing an affirming that where you're at and what you're doing, like some people are, there's a lament, there's a grief to deconstruction and if somebody's in the middle of lament or grief, you don't you don't shortcut them. You don't try to hand them the next step. And so there's like a pastoral intuition of what this person needs right now is to just be seen. Like somebody just needs to bear witness to where they're at and say, yeah, and that's that's okay. Jesus is there too. Jesus is with you in your deconstructive darkness. Like sometimes there is no next thing, but sometimes you have this pastoral intuition like, okay, maybe I can just ask the question of, What's uh, like in this whole process, what's the thing that you're finding that's a treasure? What's the thing that you're finding that you're holding on to? What's the thing that you're finding that actually gives you hope as you as everything else crumbles? Like you're you're helping them try to find the good stuff. 
and you're not telling them what the good stuff is. You're prompting them to, in their own discovery, you're asking them, you're listening to them to discover the good stuff. Or maybe they're even further along in that process. And it's like, well, okay, so how do we take those three pieces of good stuff? And, and what do we do with that? And how does that find? But again, all you're doing is you're a tour guide for them. Like you're, and I think so often when we feel somebody deconstructing, like we want to grab them and tell them what to do. We want to identify what the good pieces are. We want to tell them what to do with the good pieces. We want to tell them how fast to move and where to end up when they're all over. And and really what we're just doing is being a spiritual companion. That's what we, that's what we ought to do is just bear witness, listen, help them think critically. Because if they're really chasing after Jesus, we're going to be okay. Like Jesus has got this. Hmm. Marty, one of the things you you talk about in the book is this difference between uh, Western thinking and more Eastern thinking. And you you say that relying on our Western thinking as we read and interpret Scripture is like playing the song of Scripture with only one hand. I love that analogy. Can you explain what you mean to our audience? Yeah, there's a musical metaphor um, that I... I, I I grabbed early in the process and just loved. Like if anybody knows what it's like to play piano, I, I was a music major in college, at least one of my majors. And um, I was never very long for piano, but I took a couple years. And you learn to play piano and in your left hand, you're playing this bass chordal structure. It's really the foundation of the song. It's going to give your song all of its bass, all of its, all of its depth and its bottom color and its nuance and its movement. And in your right hand, you're playing what's really going to become the melody. Like that's where you're going to recognize the song. That's the beauty of the melody line. It's all. And putting these two hands together is what makes the song what it is. For me, that becomes the metaphor for Eastern versus Western perspectives and thought. The Bible's an Eastern book. It's got an Eastern perspective, Eastern authors, Eastern audiences, an Eastern world. And that's like the right hand. Like that's the melody. The Western perspective can come in and bring all kinds of depth and color. and But if we were to take the right hand away and tie it behind our back and simply play the left hand of the song, I don't think you recognize the song unless you have insider information. I don't think you even know what song's being played. You just hear these bass chords being played one after another. You don't hear the melody. You can't tell what the song is. And so you get the song all you can often get the song all wrong, no matter how beautifully or perfectly you play it or how hard you pound those bass chords into the piano, you're really going to miss the song that's being played. And now if all you had is the right hand, well, you might recognize the song, but it's not going to have the beauty of putting both hands together. But I do think what I love about that metaphor is it does put an emphasis on if we don't have some level of awareness that we're dealing with a different world, when we're reading the Bible, we're dealing with a different perspective. There's a good chance we may be even mishearing the song for what it is. So we need to have that level of awareness. It's not just equal and, a, and opposite. It, there really is two different parts being played. And realizing that is the foundation of beginning to ask better questions. I really like that. And, you know, I think about um, conversations I've had about different passages of Scripture with friends who are from different parts of the world and how much richer my understanding of that is just from a just a cursory conversation about what it seems to mean to me and then listening to such a, a different perspective and and then I can't unsee it that way. And and so it's yep. it does so I 
I really love that. And I hope that that people are taking advantage of the fact that our communities are so multi-ethnic now yep. that having a conversation, having like studying scripture with people who are different than us really can enrich our understanding of, of scripture. I really love that, that musical analogy and yeah. And it's, that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning, training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. Why do you think it's unavoidable that our own cultures and contexts will influence how we interpret scripture? And what's an example of how you see that playing out today? Yeah. So, and, and this is to, this is not a criticism. This is totally understandable. When we come to the scriptures, we come with our own context. We come with our own questions. We come with our own trials and, and struggles. We come with our own immediate things that we're trying to deal with and apply the gospel to. And so we read the Bible, and it's very easy to very quickly take our context, our assumptions, our immediate situations, and kind of push them onto and read the Bible through those conversations. So it's really helpful to just simply be aware of that. It's not a criticism like, why in the world do we do that? Of course we do that. Of course we do that. But if we can have an awareness of that, we take that immediate context that I'm living in, we put it on the shelf for just a moment so that I can go into the Bible and I can look at the conversation taking place between Paul and the church in Philippi, or Moses and the audience in Deuteronomy, or whatever those conversations might be, so that I can understand that ancient conversation and its inspired context. Once I understand that conversation, I now have this understanding, this um, exegetical principle, this application that now I take my immediate context, I take it off the shelf, and I put them together, and it gives me insight for what, what I'm supposed to do. How do I apply this thing that I'm learning into my immediate context? And you know, examples of this are just all around us, particularly in the socio-political situations that we find ourselves in, especially if we're Western or American context. I mean, we have all of these 
these tribal categories and ways that we see things left and right, conservative and progressive, and we take all of our current socio-political situations and we immediately smash them onto the Bible that we're reading. Um, and so then no matter what camp we're coming from, one side or the other, we end up filtering everything we read through the ideology that I'm already assuming when I read the scripture. And so to be able to, again, keep that on the shelf so I can see what's being said in that original conversation, that inspired God-breathed conversation, well, now I have the insight to go back to my original context and go, is there anything that I have to learn here? And and typically the indication I've done this well is that it's provocative for all of us, myself included. It's when I apply it, I'm like, oh gosh, that is that's not that doesn't that doesn't just align to this particular ideology or that particular worldview. This challenges all of us to be changed, transformed, look more like Jesus. Marty, we, we've appreciated this conversation, and uh, and we're going to continue it on another podcast. Um, I want to say just a couple of things real quickly that I meant to say at the start. Marty's been with us before, and usually we ask our uh, guests to share a little bit about their spiritual journey, and Marty did that with us. So I want to just in- encourage our guests to go back and listen to podcast 72, uh, where he, he shares that with us and lays lays it out. But as we kind of bring this podcast to a close, we want to do something a little bit fun that we've not been doing before and uh, kind of invite you into a little lightning round. And our our listeners know you as now a both an author and a, uh, a minister and a theologian and, and somebody who uh, loves to talk about God. Let's talk about you just a little bit and let our listeners get to know you. Are you up for that? I, lo- I love this part. This is the fun stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of kick it off and Tina and I just play off each other and go question to question. And if you just draw a blank, tell us to move on. But uh, here we go. Who's your favorite cartoon character? Oh, uh, favorite cartoon character. Um, oh, goodness. Uh, I, I don't want to pass on the first one, but pass. All right. Oh, that's so sad, Marty. I don't know. I don't, I don't, one uh, cartoon character? Uh, I mean, I can think of them, but my favorite, my favorite. Oh, that's okay. such a that's such a commitment to make. Yeah, so, right, okay. so since we did the music, uh, came yeah. into one of our questions. What is your favorite uh, music genre? Like, what what's the kind of music you love to listen to? I, I'm a, if I'm in the car, it's country, and that's going to get me a lot of hate. But Aww. I'm a country music guy all day not long. Not this kind, not this Kentucky girl. Good job. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, what's your favorite holiday and why? My favorite holiday, um, you know, in my family's context, you know, my favorite holiday may be. Uh, you know, I love the joy of watching my kids and my family on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Yom Teruah, the the Day of Trumpets, Jewish New Year. It's so fun to watch how my kids love that holiday. It probably makes it one of my favorite holidays. So there you go. Oh, Mm. that's sweet. Okay, if you could delete one word from the English language, what would it be? Uh, Probably, um, uh, oh, oh, the... um, um, I, I'm drawing a blank on it. It's one of those words that everybody says wrong backwards. Um, how about this one? I couldn't care less. 
Let's get rid of that. Let's there just, we go. I know that's, that's a multi, multi-word. But Let's expand go. that into a phrase. Well, we yeah, could yeah, throw yeah. a number of those out there. Yeah. Hey, if you had a free trip anywhere, where would you go? Um, I think right now I would go to the UK. We plan to go there this summer. Um, it's where my ancestral homelands are. And I, I mean, I can't wait to go there. So if you were to give me a free one, it'd be a whole lot cheaper than what I'm going to do this summer. So there we go. Yeah, I'd go with you. That's where my ancestral homelands are too. Yep. Yeah. All right. Here's the last one. Given a choice, would you climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, I would climb a mountain. I ain't jumping from nothing. Not, <laughs> not a platform, not a plane. There'll be no jumping. I'll, I'll climb to the top, but I will not jump. No way. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I'm with you there. Marty, it is always uh, just great to to talk with you, to uh, have you share with our, our audience. We're going to bring you back for our next Common Grounds podcast. So look forward to that. Let me just remind our, our listeners before we get away. Uh, Marty is the host of the BEMA podcast. You can find that on all of the podcast platforms. Many of you are already avid listeners. The new book that we've been talking about that'll be released in February is uh, Asking Better Questions of the Bible, a guide for the wounded, wary, and longing for more. And it's going to be released by NAB Press. You can go to nabpress.com and look for the uh, release of that book or buy it at your uh, favorite bookseller online or wherever. You're going to want to pick this one up. It's going to bless your spiritual journey and your walk with God and your walk in the word. So Marty, thanks again for being with us. Uh, we're we're going to bring you back next time and we'll kick off where we've left off today. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking the time and for talking about the book. I sure appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax-deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless, and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.